Welcome to Coaching DNA Podcast. I am your host, Travis Wyckoff. My guests on this podcast are coaches, athletic directors, sports psychologists, and really anyone else that can add value to leaders. In each episode, we spend time exploring leadership, culture, development, personal growth, and much, much more. The guests are different in many ways, but share profound similarities. They are hungry to get better, they are guided by purpose, and they are driven to develop the people around them. Each episode allows us to dive into what skills, attributes, and giftings make up great leaders. When I'm not doing this podcast, I run Kingdom Coaching. It is my consulting business where I coach coaches. I work with coaches one-on-one. I work with coaching staffs, as well as run online cohorts. Additionally, I write a weekly email newsletter to resource coaches with tools and strategies to be better leaders and coaches. To find out more, visit my website at kingdomcoachingtw.com and please check me out on Twitter at kingdomcoachtw or at coaching underscore DNA and give me a follow. I hope you enjoy the show. My guest this week is Christy Johnson Lynch, the volleyball coach at Iowa State. Christy is entering her 16th season with the Cyclones. During our discussion, we talk about her mentors, Terry Pettit and John Cook. We dive into her strengths and what those look like when they get overplayed. She shares how she has navigated being a wife and a mother and a coach. And we also get into her gardening habit and much, much more. Christy is super personable and really, really easy to talk to, as you will be able to tell. She's super down to earth. This conversation is a really, really good one. If you wouldn't mind, would you please rate, review, and share this episode? That really helps us spread the word on the Coaching DNA podcast. So here is my conversation with Christy Johnson Lynch. Christy, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Why don't you walk us through your journey from high school to present day? Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's a nice break for me from, I think, the, the work I've been doing. Totally. Um, so it's, it's nice to talk about other stuff for a change. Uh, yeah, so in high school, well, I would say in, in middle school, elementary school is kind of a multi-sport athlete, if you want to call softball and volleyball multi-sport, but um, really didn't play much volleyball until I tried out uh, my ninth grade year of high school. Um, didn't play club before that or anything. So I was, these days, that's pretty late to the sport, but uh, started in ninth grade playing and I was very average, very, very average. I was a hitter um, because I was one of the taller people on my team. And um, then I had tremendous coaches. My high school coach, Deb Griffington is one of the best in the country. And, um, then, uh, also benefited from having some other awesome club coaches who moved into the area, um, just by coincidence. And so I worked with uh, a woman named Deesa Johnson, who was an all American setter at Illinois and just happened to become my club coach. Uh, I want to say maybe my sophomore year. And she told me I was going to be a setter along with my high school coach, Deb Crappington. So I started working at that and was very average for a long time <laughs> and then started to figure it out and uh, ended up, you know, becoming a pretty good setter and 
got a scholarship offer to attend Nebraska um, and, and played there uh, for five years. I redshirted in the middle of my career and then ended up starting there my last two seasons. And we won the championship there, national championship when I was a senior. And then from there, I uh, actually taught math. I, made, I was a math education major. So I taught math at my old high school, Miller North, um, really just one year. Um, I taught there and uh, coached the varsity volleyball team. And then um, John Cook called. He was coaching at the University of Wisconsin at the time and asked me if I'd be inter- inter- interested in interviewing for a job there. And um, I, I was really interested and ended up getting that job. And I was there for eight years as an assistant, kind of working my way up. Um, I mean, I started at the very bottom of <laughs> every menial task you can ask someone to do. I started with all of those and kind of worked my way up. Uh, working first for John Cook and then later for Pete Waite when he took over the program. Um, And then I started getting the itch to be a head coach. And uh, so then in 2005, I interviewed here at Iowa State, was really excited and impressed and took that job. Um, And I've been here now about 15 years um, as the head coach. Love it. Cool. Okay. Um, Fill me in on volleyball. I'm learning more and more about volleyball. How do you go from, as a ninth grader, very, very average, to four years later, a scholarship to maybe one of the best programs in all America? How does that Mm. happen? Uh, Work, 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 hours, hours, hours. And um, like I said, I was very average. Um, And uh, when I, you know, started, I hadn't, I think I was a good athlete. You know, I- had played sports growing up. I played a ton of softball. You know, I just had probably some natural just hand-eye and, you know, arm swing was always really good. So some of it just was pretty easy, but, um, I was a small hitter, (laughs) you know, really if I would have stayed in that position. Yeah. And my coaches just really kind of said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to come in the gym and train this much. And I hated it. Um, at first, when I first tried setting and started training as a setter, I hated it. I'd come home and cry <laughs> to my parents and just, you know, try to find a way out of it because I didn't enjoy it. It was really hard. Um, I, I wasn't very good at it. And I think my coaches saw potential in me that I really was not clued into at all and yeah. just thought it was kind of torturous doing all these little setting drills. And um, so it was very frustrating for several months, I would say. Um, maybe at least a few months. Um, and then I started seeing the work pay off probably at least a few months, if not a whole club season where I, I started feeling like I was a good player and, um, saw that, saw that paying off. And so then I got motivated and then I wanted to work at it and then it became a self-motivation. And, um, so just, I would say hours of practice and reps and I had the blessing of great coaches because had they not, done that no way I wouldn't even scratch the surface so they spent a lot of time with me you know their own their own time um in the gym hours and hours uh tossing balls and helping me become a better player love that yeah you see it in baseball occasionally where somebody's just pretty average they hit okay maybe they can field all right but they're by and large pretty average but then you put them on the mound you 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 give them a position change and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden it's like they blow up and just for sure For sure. For sure. That was a huge part of it. If I would have stayed in the position I was in, I would, I would have physically not been able to, you know, really excel. Um, but moving to setter, I was 
kind of a tall setter actually for the time. Um, and you know, some of the things I did well, I think played into setting, um, versus a hitting. So they were way smarter than I was and knew enough to, to move me. Yeah. Okay. One more volleyball specific question because I, my daughter, she's going to be in eighth grade. She plays volleyball and she gets super annoyed at me. I always say spike and she's like, dad, it's hit. And I'm like, <laughs> well, when I was in high school in the early nineties, I felt like we always said spike. Is that correct? Has it, has the terminology changed in the last 20 uh, years? I don't know. I don't, I can't say that it ever was. Uh, let me put it this way. I don't know if I ever used the word spike, even okay. when I was a player in the mid nineties, okay. I don't know if it was ever part of our, <laughs> well, that shows my ignorance on volleyball. <laughs> well, there's spike, there's bump and there's dink. And you'd never want to say any of those when you're talking to a, uh, seasoned volleyball player. We okay. don't use those. We, they'll seem to be used all the time. Totally. But I think the ones that play a lot don't actually use those terms. So that's a little tip for you. Yeah. I'm learning. Well, my, <laughs> my daughter rolls her eyes and she's like, that is so annoying. Stop saying it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'd love to dive in, um, on a couple of your coaches and just hear your perspective on what made them so special. Let's start with your college coach, Terry Pettit. Yeah. Um, gosh, Terry was, was, and still is a big part of who I am and my life. Um, coach Pettit was, um, a really good fit for me. So I feel really, um, fortunate that I went and played there. Um, he's very cerebral, you know, he's not a yeller. He's not a, you know, in your face kind of guy. I think it's more about just setting some expectations and teaching the game. Mm. And, you know, you, it's a lot of your self-discipline, self-motivation. Um, yeah, I just, I really respected him. I, I think he's so crazy intelligent. I mean, he's just in, in not just about volleyball, um, just in a lot of areas of life. I just think he's a really smart guy, Yeah. but he's applied it to volleyball and, um, in a pretty cool way. So, um, sometimes I would like, I just loved, we, if you would call a team meeting, I just loved sitting in that locker room and listening to him because he would always, he'd sit, tell you some wacky story or some, you know, use some metaphor or some, you know, you never knew it could be yeah. a poem. A, you just never knew. And I loved that. I just loved the kind of thinking side of it and not the like rah, rah in your face. I loved the just talking about it and the, the way he thought about the game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and we're, we're still that way. I mean, every time I talk to him today to, you know, yesterday, he'll say something and it's like, Oh man, how did you get that? Like, how did you come up with that? It's so cool. And he makes you think and, um, really, really enjoyed that about him. So I've come across multiple people that rave about Terry Pettit. I'm curious about this. How, but because your description of him is pretty up par with what everyone else has said. How did he, what did it look like for him to build relationship? Because people rave about him. And I, I'm just curious, how did he build relationship? What did that look like? Is he super personable? Did, yeah, I'm curious. Um, I think he's super honest. Okay. So you're gonna, and he's very blunt. Um, he's not going to beat around the bush. So that's hard. I mean, there was a couple times like, ouch, that hurt (laughs) bad. You know, he's, he's very honest. Um, I don't think 
I think setters with him, I mean, that's really his specialty. So I think he has a probably a closer relationship with those players. I probably spent more time talking to him than maybe some players in other positions just by way of the, what is expected of a setter and what he, you know, the leadership he wants out of it. So I think that's part of it too. Um, But I mean, there were days that were really tough because he's, um, you know, some days in practice, he, he would call you out and he would call out teammates and it was rough some days, but you, you patted each other on the back when you were done and you, you went back to work. So, yeah. um, you had to be ready for honesty and face it and deal with it and, you know, get over it <laughs> if you hurt your feelings and, and move on. Totally. And then, uh, John Cook, you coached for him. Was he on staff at Nebraska or, or did the first time you got connected to him was at, was that at Wisconsin? He was on staff, uh, recruiting me to Nebraska. So I got to know him. Um, then when I was in high school and, and then he was he an left. assistant coach, coach, yep. So he left. I never actually played for him. Okay. Um, the next time we kind of interacted then was when he, uh, hired me. Yeah. Talk about him. What makes him so successful? Yeah. John, you know, I, I get that question a lot and I think the, thing I learned most from him is just the relentless pursuit the just the passion I would I would absolutely call it passion I mean he he will I've never seen anyone willing to spend so many hours in the gym training 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 working working just obsessive like Mm. in a good way you know just he he's just relentless with whether it's training or recruiting or scouting I just felt like no one was going to outwork him. You know, he was going to, you know, just every little detail he would, he would figure out and address. Um, and that was my first job as an assistant coach. You know, you, you don't really know what college coaching is until you get the job. And then mm-hmm. I was like, what is this <laughs> about? You know, that's a, it, and I kind of feel bad now looking back, I was so naive and I, there's so many things I didn't do because I just didn't know any better. So yeah. I do apologize to all my <laughs> assistant coach totally. peers and all them. Cause I, you know, I fell far short many times, but, um, keeping up with that, you know, that was his passion was just, you couldn't even keep up. You couldn't match it. He was just so relentless with that. Um, and he's always willing to learn, try things. He can make big moves. He can make, you know, he's not afraid to make big decisions or be kind of out there with mm-hmm. some of his decisions because he's, he just wants to get better. However, that's going to be. Um, and he, and he doesn't mind a fight either. And, and by that, I mean, um, he'll fight for his team. He'll fight for the sport. He'll fight for his program. He doesn't mind taking yeah. people on. Um, in fact, sometimes I think he, that, um, really drives him, you know, he wants mm-hmm. to really keep fighting for the sport and for his, for his team. So, um, I learned a lot from him that way. I mean, it was really great to great chance for me to learn that from one of the best. Yeah. And Pete Waite, what'd you learn from mm. him? Um, there's, you know, it was almost a shock to my system going from cook to weight because they're so different. It was wonderful because I think every person, any job should work for a lot of different people, you know, mm. at least a few different people, because you see other ways of doing things, you know, there's not just one way and everyone has to find their own way and make the most of who they are. 
you know, kind of leverage, leverage who you are. And that's what Pete did. Um, Pete was so generous. I think that's the word I always come back to when I think Mm. of him, just generous for me with his time, um, with his attention, with, um, just his caring, you know, he was just willing to do anything to help you as a person develop and, um, get through times and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, he, he was a wonderful boss and, um, you know, I was working up the ladder, you know, I started at the bottom with John and, um, kind of working up the ladder and, and Pete really empowered me to, um, really, um, move up that ladder and, and start to, be a part of some big decisions and, and the recruiting. And, um, so that was a wonderful time too, because I, uh, I got to feel like what it would be to, you know, be responsible and maybe someday have my own program. And so, um, yeah, they were so, so different. I mean, they're just really different people and yet amazing in those very different ways. I had Larry Widman on the podcast a couple weeks ago and, uh, one, Thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with him and some of the mm-hmm. stories he shared, specifically one about John Cook on what you were saying, just about how he had to face some some hard truths, but he was willing to do it to get better, to help his, mm-hmm. his program get over the hump. And so I'd love to just maybe hear a little bit, maybe um, what he's doing with your program and how he's helping, maybe a, kind of a behind the scenes uh, uh, as far as what he's helped with your program and what you guys are working on. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this, uh, time that we've all been at home and, you know, been zooming (laughs) with each other has been, um, really great for our team in, in connecting. Um, and, and Larry's really helped us with that. And so, you know, we, we, I talked with Larry and we decided, you know, he, that he would, you know, help us out just trying to figure out how we could kind of max out is what he calls, but it calls it, but, you know, make the most and make the most of our time when we were at home. And so, you know, he's taken us through first, just some, um, mental, I call it mental toughness training, but you know, it's what's our self-talk like, how are we breathing? Um, you know, how does one meditate? How does one visualize and stuff, you know, we had always done with our team and, um, we had, practice, but it was really good to hear a professional who's better at it than I am, um, take them through some of that stuff. So that was really cool. Um, and then we got into, um, talking about what, you know, championship teams, what, what are those behaviors look like? Um, how can we all get on the same page? How can we be all in those kind of, um, big things. But the, I think the most impactful thing we did with Larry was, um, Oh, and I, uh, I forget the name. I think it was, we called it hero, hero hardship highlight, I think yep. is what we called it. You and, um, yeah. oh man, that was a powerful, powerful day. Um, we, we all picked one of those examples to talk about, you know, talk about someone that's been a hero in your life, talk about a hardship in your life, mm. um, or talk about a hard, a highlight of your life and go into detail a little bit, you know, really share some things and be vulnerable. And, um, I hate vulnerability. <laughs> I told Larry that I told the team that, you know, I'm, uh, you know, especially I think as a coach, you know, with, it's different with your family and, and close friends. It's different when you sit in that chair, you become yeah, almost, I almost had always, always felt like there's a little bit of a wall there that's can be hard to break through. And, um, so I was nervous. And so was the team to share some of the, those things, but 
um, so many great stories, mm. um, really raw emotions coming out. Some things, you know, players had shared some things with us that they hadn't really shared with anybody, um, let alone their team. Really amazing day. I was so proud of our team for what they were able to talk about. And, um, man, it was, it was awesome. Probably one of the most impactful days I've had with a, with a team for year, you know, in the past couple of years. Yeah. So I'm curious going forward, let's say in 2021 and 2022 and beyond, is that something you'll implement? I mean, is that like, uh, Hey, mm-hmm. we're doing this all the time. Or are you like mm-hmm. one time was enough for me? <laughs> I, no, you know, in fact, the opposite. I, I thought I want more after we did that. It yeah. just felt so good to be so open with the team. And, um, you know, for, just in, from me feeling like I can share this with you. This is very personal. I don't really talk about it. Um, and they were, they, you know, um, loved and I think benefited from hearing it and, and vice versa. So I got off thinking, this was really hard and like draining. Like the rest of the day, I was kind of <laughs> exhausted. Yeah. Um, but I thought we got it. We we need to do more of this. Um, and so it's really something we want to build on. Um, we you know we've we've taken a little break from the Zoom for a while. We got kind of tired of them. Um, yeah. But you know, in in July, we kind of let them. They're they're back on campus and starting to work out. So whenever we can get back together and uh, do this together, we're going to build off of it. And it's something we'll do. I think we'll do that exercise. I think we'll add in a few more because we want to, we want to be vulnerable, I think in different ways, you know, and find different ways to share stories, but we definitely will be doing more of that, um, this season and then yeah. in the seasons to come. What do you think? I think, I think there's a, a, a very general assumption of, oh yeah, it's really healthy to be vulnerable. So I'm going to dive into it. What do you think is the play out? What is the benefit to being vulnerable? Or what do you hope for your team having gone through that exercise and kind of open yourself up yourself personally, but also everybody else? What, what does that, what does that lead to? What does that produce? I think a couple things that I've seen so far, one is just being comfortable with who you are. Um, mm. you know, I think some of the th- things our players shared, um, it, you know, you didn't, they didn't want to share them cause they didn't want to be judged. Yeah. They didn't want to be thought badly of. And so once they got that off their chest and shared that, and then the players, their teammates responded with love and, or empathy or whatever. Um, it's like, man, I'm just glad you know that now. Um, I'm glad I can be myself now and not have to hide or not have to wonder what you'll think of me if you found this out. So I think being comfortable in your own skin, knowing that your teammates are support you, um, no matter what I thought, I thought that it was great for that. Um, trust, I think is a big one. Um, you know, you feel like you can be, again, be yourself and develop that, like, you got my back <laughs> no matter what, even if maybe you don't agree with me, or I told you this horrible story about myself, you still love me. And, mm. you know, we, I can trust that, um, just being comfortable and, and trusting each other is, I think what I've seen so far, I'll be eager to, like I said, build off of what we've done and see what else comes of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the YouTube or it's a Ted talk by Francis. I think you pronounce her name free or Frey F R E I. I actually heard about it from a, uh, from a coach with the Cleveland Cavaliers talking about it. And it was really interesting. She breaks down in this Ted talk, um, building trust, which you just mentioned. 
And I think she has three things and I'm forgetting one of them. One of them is authenticity, which is what you guys showed a ton of. Uh, the other for a leader to win trust and to build trust would be competency. So you as the leader knowing, knowing what to do, you know, um, so authenticity, competency, and I'm struggling with the third one. Anyways, I just, she, she gave some handlebars on what does it practically look like to win, to, to, to build trust in your organization, which to your point, what you just said, sounds like you guys built a ton of, of relational equity and trust and kind of almost a stickiness with your, with your program. Yeah, I would agree. And I mean, man, if you've seen the last few months, how divided we are, totally. you know, it's insane how people are having to pick sides and you're this or that. And, um, it's getting, that's what we're, I feel like that's just surrounding us right now. Yeah. And so if we can, I mean, we're very different even on our team. We come from all over the country. We have very different political views. Uh, we have very different family backgrounds, um, economic backgrounds, uh, religions, <laughs> races. You know, we're not just because we're a Midwest volleyball team doesn't mean we're all the same. Yeah. Very, very diverse group. And, um, but yet we've, you know, when you share those things, I feel like there's a lot of empathy. There's a lot of understanding. There's a lot of acceptance that happens. Um, it's like, man, too bad. More people can't do this. Maybe we'd get along a little better. Um, no doubt. So yeah, I mean, to see people very, who have very different views of the world be like, yeah, 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 you, that's okay. You know, you, totally. you're, you think this, I think that, but we're good. Yeah. Um, that's a nice way to live. Yeah. That's really, really good. Okay. So I want to play off of this kind of topic that I feel like we're kind of skirting around the idea of building culture. And uh, I'd love to just hear what are the what are the what are the values of Iowa State volleyball that you've set up over your fifteen, almost getting ready to start sixteen years. Yeah, what are you? Mm -hmm. What are your values? What have you guys been built on? Yep. Well, when you know when we first got to Iowa State, the program was not very good. You know, they right. had had much success. So um, I've never been a real. Um, we're going to have this big plan and we're going to have all these like catchy names or keywords or mm -hmm. it was kind of like, we're just going to work really hard. <laughs> and if you don't want to do it, then please move along. You know, it wasn't very complicated. Um, and, and, the, and that was the expectation is you're going to work really, really hard when we're in the gym or in class. And if you are not going to do that, it's not going to be very fun. You're not going to want to be here anyway. It's, you're not going to fit in. Um, and so we just tried to make it all about that. So it wasn't, um, when we just kind of stuck to that expectation, it made it kind of easy. Like we're not really worried about winning. That'll come along as we go or success mm -hmm. or, or stats or, you know, if we just can work our butts off, then at least we're going to get better. Cause they were, we were pretty bad. <laughs> so <laughs> figure at least we'd, we'd get a little bit better. And that's, and that's what happened. You know, that's always, I think, been the core of who we are. You know, we just, just work as hard as we can and we'll see what happens. Now I will say, you know, over the last few years, reflecting on maybe what it's all come down to for me, you know, like what, what am I really going to be about and what our program is really going to be about. Um, I have come, uh, I, I have my little catchphrase now, if you will, but I've, I've come kind of boil it down to three things, three words and mine are care. Uh, so we're going to take really good care of each other mm. and we're going to take really good care of ourselves. So I think that means, you know, being the, the respectful, understanding teammate, but also um, 
nutrition and sleep and, you know, uh, mental health is a huge, huge thing that I'm seeing right now. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to do our best in all those areas. Um, we're going to compete. So that means we're going to work really hard on the court and we're going to work really hard off the court competing mean, you know, we're going to get, try to do our very, very best effort. Um, and then the last one for me has been courage and that's been a big one lately. Um, really the last couple of years, I think just, um, college life is about, um, for me, a big part is having the courage to take risks, having courage to try things, um, to kind of get outside your comfort zone, whatever. But I think courage is a big part of what we do and what we're trying to instill in our players. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, cause I, I come up with lots of lists of like, you know, what are all the things I believe in? What are all my values? What are all, what are all the things I would hope someone leaves here and they have now instilled in themselves. And I think those three things, I kind of keep coming back to them. So I'm, yeah. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Love it. No, Care, so compete, good. courage. Yeah. Give me a picture of, so you're in your first team meeting or maybe in the recruiting process and you're talking about courage. Give me an example of, of what you use to describe courage for a college athlete. Do you use off the court on the court, both. I would be curious, what does courage look like, like off the court for a Iowa State student athlete? Mm-hmm. Well, for a freshman, it's a lot. Um, it could be moving away from home sure. for the first time. And some aren't, I mean, I have players that really struggle with that and just want to go back home. I just want to go back home. I'm not comfortable. I'm, I'm too far away, you know. So it's having the courage that in the patience, it's going to be okay. Give it time, you know, or, or uh, um, it's having courage of opening up to teammates. You know, we have some players that really want to do their own thing and don't want to be vulnerable or don't want to necessarily have, you know, those close relationships on the yeah. team. So sometimes it's just let yourself open up a little bit, let yourself maybe ask someone out to lunch, you know, maybe you wouldn't normally do that, but you know, have some courage to, to try some of those things. I think leadership takes a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a big thing is, um, I see players, I see a teammate making a decision I don't think is good for the program or for her. It needs to be addressed. <laughs> um, who's going to do that? Who's going to put the, actually like literally go talk to this person and probably have a confrontation and it's going to probably not feel that good. It might make you feel very uncomfortable, but if you can work up the courage to do that, you've grown, you know, you've, you've, you've confronted someone, you've tried to handle a problem, show some leadership. The next time it's going to be a little easier to do that. Um, I think those, those kind of circumstances, you know, situations, um, I, I think of them in terms of courage, you know, it takes, you got to work up, work yourself up a little bit to, to do that. They're hard. Yeah. Um, That's great. But I think that's the beauty of athletics. Really. I've always thought that's the beauty of athletics that every day we get to do some of that where, you know, if if you don't have something like that, and it's not necessarily sports, but if you're just kind of walking, you know, if you're a regular college student and you're not really involved in anything, don't really have any outside activities, you can just kind of live in your own little world. How do you learn that? How do you learn mm-hmm. courage? How do you learn managing relationships? How do you learn leadership? That's hard, I think, if you're just taking care of yourself. So I've always thought that's the great thing about athletics. Yeah, no doubt. I agree. I, I'm actually seeing it kind of firsthand with my, my oldest son mm-hmm. who just graduated and he played basketball and loves basketball. And 
you know, had a, had a stretch his junior year where he just scuffled. He had a really good beginning and a good end, just scuffled in the middle. Well, that's hard. That's important mm-hmm. to him. And I saw him work through that adversity. And then his senior year, mm-hmm. he had some adversity. And I've had the conversation with, with my wife. No other, no other activity forces you to persevere and grind mm-hmm. through stuff and, and out in front of people too, by the way, it's yeah. not like you get to do it all behind closed doors. So agreed totally. I think that's, I, I don't know. I just, I love the way you use courage because I, as you're, as you're sharing that, I'm like, man, that those are all things of courage and to teach people to say, you know, it's going to be really, really hard to step into that classroom for the first time and give your first speech or leave mm-hmm. home, but courage, you'll be all right. You'll, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it's hard. It is really hard. I mean, it's. I know as an athlete myself, I went sometimes went through some times that were so so hard, gut wrenching, heartbreaking, um, really really hard. But it, I think it can change the course of your life when you do some of those things, and you're like, ah, all right, <laughs> I can do this. Um, it empowers you to feel like what there's nothing I can't do. I I just you know, I did some really hard things, maybe some of the hardest things in my life. So the next big problem I come across, I'm gonna, I can do this. And I've always, I, I thought when I came out of college, I really literally thought I can do anything I want. Cause I totally. just did all of these really, really hard things that were gut wrenching. And I mean, so, so hard. And, um, what couldn't I do? You know, that's yeah. how I felt. And it's, um, kind of the core of who I am now. Um, even though I'm not saying there aren't days where I'm like, Oh, stressing out and worried and, totally. you know, not feeling like I can get this done or, you know, self doubt, all those things. But, um, I think the core of who I am is I, I made it through some of those incredibly hard moments and stretches. And now I'm like, yeah, I know I can do this. It might take me some time, but I know I can do this. That's good. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, a couple times leadership. How do you, what is your process? What does it look like for you to develop leaders within your team? Um, well, we have a couple things we like to do. Um, one is we have a, our leadership council. So it's one person from each grade, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, um, that the team votes on. And I have to kind of, I get the final say, but sure, sure. Um, so we have this council that we'll meet, we meet with and, um, the goal is, you know, the, the real, the strong, strong leaders are probably a junior and a senior, uh, maybe a couple of them, but, um, the freshman and the sophomore are seen and being a part of these decision-making things. And then they are kind of in training so that when they, as they get older, they're ready to step into that role. So we, you know, we meet and we, we, you know, we just kind of see what comes up, um, and talk about things, but we also try to head off problems. So hopefully that's a, avenue they can use to, if I see something I'm a little concerned about, or if they see something, we will talk about it and we will kind of plan on how we're going to handle it. And I love for them to handle it. (laughs) I'd really, I really prefer to step in, uh, you know, less. (laughs) Um, so we try to teach them, you know, um, maybe it's a conversation with a teammate and we, we will role play it, you know, and I'll give them some tips on, you know, how do you make, how do you confront someone and not make them feel defensive? You know, what language do you use? You know, I I don't know that much about it, but I know a few tips I can give them so that that person doesn't feel attacked. 
Um, or do you want to do, you know, two teammates or does this, you know, what, how can we kind of help this problem along? Um, sometimes I, I need to be the one to handle it and that's fine too, but mm -hmm. that's probably our best way. I think of, of developing leadership. I also think it's a lot of just one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, there's just, I, I always think leadership, like there's just so many situations that come up. You have to kind of look for it. You know, if you wait until something just lands in your lap and you have to deal with it. Yeah, that's, that's going to force some leadership, but I would rather, um, they look for opportunities. So, you know, you notice someone's struggling, you notice someone's, you know, not having a very good day in practice. You can tell something's wrong. Leadership is pulling that player aside and just saying, what's up? You know, you look upset, you know, is yeah. there anything you want to talk about? Reaching out to people. Um, leadership is, you know, noticing if a teammate's not making good decisions and being proactive. Um, leadership's on the court with, uh, you know, how you work and how, you know, the example you set. I mean, there's, there's so many chances for leadership. It's not mm -hmm. like, I don't, I don't think leadership's the person that, you know, comes into the huddle and screams at everybody to get going. You know, that's not, that's not really it. I think there's right. so many opportunities throughout your day where you could go and grab some leadership opportunities. Yeah. How often does your council meet with you? Um, we, we try to do it a couple times a month. Okay. Um, you know, we have emergency sessions sure. <laughs> sometimes to handle stuff, but yeah. And we, you know, we text, we, we, you know, maybe call. So we're, and I also use them to help me make decisions. Um, you know, if I'm like, hey, I don't know what we should do. And I kind of want some players input. Well, sometimes getting 18 players opinions is tough. So, you know, I'll put it to them and they'll either talk or they'll just text me back and let me know their opinions. But um, I like to get the feel. Sometimes we just can't get everybody's <laughs> input, sure. but leaders, leadership input's good. That's good. Have you ever had a situation where you have your leadership council and one of them was just not the right person to be on the council. Yes, I have. And, and how'd you, how'd you, by the way, this, this question comes, I, I'm super curious because I, uh, as, I've, as I'm working with coaches and interviewing coaches, this idea of should you have captains, should you not? And then if you do have captains and you get the wrong captain, how do you, how do you handle that? So I'd be curious. How, that, mm -hmm. Anyways, that's where this question comes from. How'd you handle it? What'd you mm -hmm. do? Well, one time, and this wasn't really on the council, but I, I made her a captain and she didn't, she really didn't deserve it. This was many years ago. Um, and I thought I kind of did it the reverse. I thought maybe putting her in this position would bring out her leadership and yep. I failed miserably. It was a really bad decision on my part. It did not work at all. So we really, I didn't. I mean, I, I didn't take it away or anything. We just kind of, I didn't, I knew I really, she wasn't a leader that yeah. I was hoping she would be. So we just kind of let it, <laughs> let, let it go. And I didn't really look to her when I needed leadership sure. on the team. Sure. Um, and the other time, you know, someone was on it and she really messed up and took herself out of it. I mean, really made some bad, bad decisions. So there wasn't even a decision for me to make. I mean, right. she was, she was out of there and it was devastating for a team. I mean, to have mm. someone that you look up to just make a really big mistake was devastating and we never quite got over it. But I think that it was out of our control. It wasn't a bad decision to put her on it. Um, but it was just unfortunate, you know, it's life. Totally. <laughs> it's just going to happen. For sure. 
What are your top attributes as a coach and a leader? I think I am patient. I think that's a, something I'm pretty good at. And um, I don't mind waiting and, and really working with someone for years before, you know, they really develop and, um, or even with maybe their maturity. You know, I think I can work pretty well with people who maybe aren't <laughs> quite there yet. Uh, maturity wise. Um, I don't know. I think, I think that's kind of one of the fun part to see him grow up a little bit and to really, you know, we've, we've had some athletes where I thought when they come in, I thought, Oh man, if they, if they make it through, we'll have done something pretty great. Yeah. And they do. And they really leave here just pretty, pretty awesome young women. So that, cool. that I think is something I can do. Um, I'm pretty, I think I'm determined. Um, so, and it, not with everything, but with some things, I'll just, I'll keep at it and be pretty, mm-hmm. I'll be persistent until I, I feel like I've done everything I can. Um, um, I'm pretty, and I think I'm, I'm just even, I don't get too emotional about anything. I'm, you know, I'm not uh, a screamer. Um, I think I can just keep my calm, <laughs> no yeah. matter the situation. I, it takes me, it takes a lot, I think, to get me riled up, but I've, I've kind of always felt like these are my emotions and I'm in control. I'm not going to let you, let you determine that. So I've always felt like that's, a, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the one that will determine if I get mad or not, not you. So yeah, keep, keep them cool. Yeah. Under, under stress. Love that. And your area or top couple areas of weakness or constraint, what are those areas mm. that trip you up? Um, the things I just listed on the flip side, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because I can definitely be too patient. Yeah. No question. And I, I mean, I think I drive my assistants crazy sometimes when it's like, no, let's give her another chance or no, let's, you know, like just wait, you know, let's hold on for a while. And it's like, no, there let's move. Let's do this. Um, I think I can be too, um, lenient. I don't know if lenient's the word, but hold on too much and really try to make things work for too long with, with some people. Um, I think, uh, does the, does the even kill turn kind of to the, to the negative when you're, when you're too stoic or maybe not open enough? Like it sounds like this, uh, you know, the hero highlight and hardship might've, you know, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, I think, you know, it's weird because on one side, I think I can be very empathetic because I've been through a lot of what these athletes have been through and I totally feel for them when they come and sit in my chair. I'm like, yep, I I know. But at the same time, I can come across, I think, as not caring because Mm -hmm. I am so even, like I'm not going to get worked up. So, um, you know, that can get mistaken for not caring for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I could. There's a lot of things. Totally. Gosh, no. Now that you make me think about it, I'm like, oh, I can <laughs> no go on and on with with this with these weaknesses. Um, I think the other one I struggle with a little bit is indecisiveness. Hmm. Um, and it, we we always tease each other in our office, you know, about our personality styles and all that. And I just tell people I like to have all the information before I make a decision. And sure. <laughs> that's the, it's not that I'm indecisive, but um, I get 
sometimes I get too worried about making a mistake. So I want all the little detail, all the information before I make a decision. I do not like to make quick, bold decisions. You know, mm-hmm. I want, I want time. I want that information that doesn't work very well when you're in a match. So in a match, <laughs> you have to, nope, you just got to go with your gut and yeah. and go for it. Um, but I got to catch myself doing that. And I know, I think my coaches, my assistants know me well enough by now when I get quiet, they know, Oh boy, here she goes. Like she's in her head. And, um, you know, I, I need to, I need to start talking and, and make some decisions or make some decisions about game plan in the match or th- those kind of things. So at least I have someone looking out for my cues that <laughs> if I'm totally. gonna get in my own head. But um, I think the indecisiveness I can have at times can drive my my coworkers crazy. Yeah. So so when stress hits or when decisions made or whatever, you go inward. That's your first. For sure. At, yeah. I mean, at home, at work, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yep. Yeah. And my, I've been told even, you know, like, oh, she went quiet. I knew you were mad when you went quiet, or I knew you were fresh. You know, I was like darn you. You sure did, didn't you? You were, you noticed. (laughs) Yeah. I've I've got a really good buddy who's a baseball coach. And, um, as you're describing, like he's so even killed. I've said, most people don't know if you want to kill them or hug them. Like nobody, (laughs) like we don't know. And then he'll go inward. He'll go really inward and really quiet. And I'm just the opposite. I've got to talk. Mm, I've got to process mm -hmm. it out. So it's, it's, it's actually fun, uh, to see how people are wired and to encourage you. I think you knowing your strengths and weaknesses just allow you to be a, be- a better lead. The fact that you could kind of explain and articulate where you're strong and where mm-hmm. you have constraints, I mean, isn't that half the battle? Knowing where you're where you're going to get tripped yeah. up. I mean, that's half of it. So absolutely. And I think you know what we've done some work with our team and our staff on the disc yep. style. Um, and I I love that for me because I like things that are very simple, easy to remember. <laughs> that's like mm-hmm. the two big most important things and. So I, I love that system. And so we tease each other all the time, like, oh, that's your S coming out. That's your D right. coming out. And we have some pretty strong person- personality styles on our staff and learning what to look for, what happens when they get mad or, uh, or stressed, I should say, um, does help. It yeah. helps. It's helped our staff a lot, a lot. And then it's, it's helped our team as well. But, you know, we're, we're so tight. We, our staff, we spend so much time together. So it's like, yeah, I can, uh, you know, I know what's coming and I know why that that's been helpful too. Like totally. we're not, you're not trying to be annoying. It's it's, or stress me out. It's your style. Here's my style, you know, and that's why a little bit why we have trouble. And so just recognizing that and knowing that has helped us in our staff, just how we work together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about staff. I, I love to dive into staff development what are the things, and it, and it sounds like I'm guessing just because of you got your, your close knit, it, a lot of this probably happens organically, but how, how do you develop your staff? How do you manage your staff? What does that look like? Mm. You know, it's weird. It's one of my favorite things about my job. Mm. I think just um, who I work with and then helping them become as good as they can be or move on and become a head coach. Like to me, that's, that's really fun part of my job. Um, so first of all, um, you know, with my staff, I think, I guess I would start with, I want to make sure we really, really trust each other. I mean, I think probably trust and loyalty is my number one thing mm. with who I work with. And when we get that, 
which I have now. And I probably had every year. I mean, it's so fun. It's, it's really cool. Um, and you know, we, we are rather specific in what everyone's duties are. You know, it's like you, this is your job. You know, we're, we have it pretty well divided up. Um, I am a delegator for sure. Um, in fact, you know, again, that could count in the strength and in the weakness category because yeah. sometimes I have an idea, I tell someone about it and then I forget about it and think that, you know, they're going to come back in a month with it all done. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I really like though, uh, giving people s- some guidance and then just seeing what they can do. And I would, I bet you 90% of the time they just knock it out of the park. You know, mm. it's just been, that's really, really cool. Um, so I, you know, I think, I think a big part of my job is helping them become the best assistant then onto whatever that might be they can be. So I'm, my job is to mentor them. My job is to stretch them. My job is to give them more responsibilities or different responsibilities. We do have, I, I haven't always done it real steadily, but, um, especially with maybe someone that's been in the coaching staff for a couple of years, we'll do monthly four to six weeks of, um, I, I think, I don't know what I call them, check-in meetings or something like that, yeah. but Love that. they'll just come in and, um, I encourage them to set the agenda. Um, but they'll ask, you know, we'll just talk about how they're doing. Maybe I have concerns or maybe something I'm really loving. So I'll give them that feedback, but they'll, it's their chance to ask questions. It's their chance to say, you know, kind of back to that leadership stuff. This is your chance to, um, go grab some opportunities. You know, I don't, you can sit in your office and you can wait until I come to you and say, here, can you do this? Or you can say, I need this experience. Can I do this? Can you give me this? I love that. So I encourage them to come in with ideas about how they want to stretch and cause it's hard. It's, I feel like as the boss, sometimes it can get hard to make sure everyone's getting all the experiences they need. If they're, you know, if they know they have something they want to work on or could use help on or, um, you know, another skill set that they need to work on. I'd love it if they can come to me and give me that, give me that idea. So those have been really helpful, especially if, um, maybe someone isn't on the same page or like yeah. I have an employee that's like, Oh man, this, we're not quite <laughs> in sync here. Those meetings can really help keep the, keep it pretty clear between the two of us. Yeah. To encourage you, Christy on, on one level, those meetings sound like so elementary and so like, duh, mm-hmm. it's amazing how many, how many head coaches won't do stuff like that, that create conversation that, I mean, I, I'm going to steal it because I'm always looking for ideas. Part, that's part of the reason why I do this podcast so mm-hmm. I can learn, but I'm, I'm going to steal it because I think when I, when I work with assistant coaches, I will encourage them. You go ask, don't do it every week because you'll sound needy and weird, but occasionally just go ask your boss, Hey, is there anything I need to like, are, is things good? Is there anything I need to be alert? Am, are, mm-hmm. are there things I need to change? Because I tell them that at some point, it is really, really a heavy burden for the boss to, to run the program, to deal with the student athletes, to manage the whole staff, to make all these decisions. I mean, it's just burdensome. And so take mm-hmm. some, they would appreciate if you were to come in and just say, hey, how am I doing? I'd love to, for some feedback. So I love mm-hmm. the fact that you connect with them consistently. I love it even more that you put the agenda on them. I think that's genius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it's worked out well. And, um, I also, 
what I discovered is if I just put a reoccurring appointment in my calendar, it makes me do it. Because if you, if you think, well, let's, we'll, we'll do that. If it's not in my calendar, it's probably not going to happen. So it holds me accountable. I, you know, I'm a big, uh, we're going to make an appointment. I'll invite you. It's on the books. I I really like that. And it makes us both accountable to that. I'm so, that fires me up so much because I do, I think there's not a coach in the world that starts off the season or starts off their career thinking, all right, here's my goal. My goal is to be really flighty and scatterbrained with my staff. No one has that goal, (laughs) but I see it all the time because like you said, Hey, here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to have these meetings and let's go team. And then, you know, three weeks into practice, you haven't even thought about connecting with your assistant. So I for love sure. that. That's good. For stuff. sure. For sure. And I would add to that, you know, I think the, the most wonderful assistants are the ones that love, love the feedback and don't get defensive. Cause yes. I've, I've found that to be so challenging. Like, it's like, Oh man, I don't even want to, I don't even want to bring this up, yeah. you know, cause you just, that conversation is so difficult. Um, when I've had assistants that are just like, yeah, got it whatever you need, you know, you just, yeah. and, and not that you can't have opinions or pushback or any of that, but it's so valuable and so wonderful to have people to, that you work with that can take criticism and embrace it and be like, yeah, thank you. Like I, I'm going to work at this. Um, yeah. it's not, not many people can take criticism and, and take it well and take it with an open heart. You know, it, it becomes defensive so easily. So that's, uh, I do think having that kind of like scheduled time, like this is what's supposed to happen. We're I'm supposed to, <laughs> we're supposed to have this conversation helps a little bit yep. in that defensiveness, you know, and just being open, talking to each other. I love that. Um, I'll, I'll share one other thing that I've learned her, here over the last couple months. I had a, a guy by the name of Bernie Holiday on my podcast. He's the mental skills coach for the Pirates, the Pittsburgh Pirates, their whole organization. I also had the beach volleyball coach at Loyola Marymount, John Mayer, on. And they both talked about feedback. I think John might have learned it spending time with Bernie with the Pirates. But they do this thing consistently called one up and one down. So they create a culture of, like, let's say you have a team meeting and you're walking to uh, the practice, to the court with one of your assistants. Just It's a culture in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization to look at your assistant and say, Give me one up, give me one down. What I do well, what, what maybe did mm-hmm. I miss something? To, and I think if you create that culture, to your point, where feedback is normal, feedback's mm-hmm. not this big thing, we, we all drop our defenses, we all have mm-hmm. a growth and learning mindset. Uh, I just thought that was a really good way to organically create that culture of, we're just going to give feedback. Because mm-hmm. I need it, you need it, we all need it. So, mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. That's awesome. And going back to kind of the leadership discussions with our team, you know, um, talking about that stuff, giving feedback, giving like confronting, that's, that's a hard skill. That's Amen. no one wants to do that. Men, women, I don't think it matters. I don't think anyone really enjoys, yep. <laughs> enjoys doing that. So, um, getting better at that, practicing it is really, really valuable. And so uh, we ask the same of our team, you know, we, if we want them to confront, you know, if we want them to, uh, be honest with each other. We sure as heck better do it in our office and with our staff. So trying to be a model for that, I think is really important, um, for them. May, they're not obviously seeing some of those <laughs> conversations, but I think, you know, if they're happening, if, if your staff and your coaches have, you know, pretty healthy, honest relationships. Sure. Love that. So in 2015, listening to a podcast, you said 
um, in the middle of a, a, a tough stretch in the early part of the season, you changed your offense and then you guys went on a tear toward at the end of the season. I'm mm-hmm. super curious to hear your thought process. Is that normal? I just think it, it for me, when I heard it, it felt very abnormal for a coach to change their offense in the middle of the year. I'd love to just hear mm-hmm. your thought process on that. Um, yeah, well, a couple of things. One is I, one of the things I love about coaching is the puzzle. I feel like each team is like a puzzle you have to put together. How can you make that puzzle fit? And not just that, but how can you make it the very best team? So sometimes that needs to be kind of tweaked and played around with. I yeah. love, I love looking at systems. Like how, how do I line up players next to each other to make mm. us the best we can be? So I'm always looking at that. I always have a file of about 10 different lineups. Some years, literally 20, 25 lineups that might, might be the best one. And I, it's my job to figure out which one is best. Some years you don't have choices, you know, you have no depth and you have very little options. So you just go with what you got. Um, I think that year we had a player on the bench who was a tremendous player, but she had really bad knees. And so she couldn't train a lot. Um, and she couldn't, she was playing in the middle and it was just hard for her physically to do this, but she was a great teammate. She was an awesome competitor and she had a great arm and, but she was always had always played middle her whole career. And we had a match where she came in off the bench, the last like five points. If, if this is the year I'm thinking of, it was a, like the last five points against West Virginia where we looked like we were going to lose. Like we, we were done. Like we were packing the bags. We were going to lose. And she changed the whole match and mm. ended up, you know, scoring all these points for us. And we won basically because she entered the match and put us on her back. And so we came back thinking, how do we get her on the court? Somehow she's just too good not to be on the court, but she can't really be on it in the court in the way we've used her. Yeah. So we changed her position in the middle of the year. Um, we turned her into her, turned her into her right side. Um, so kind of used some of what she had already done well, but had to give her some new skills uh, hitting a higher set and mm. blocking in a different spot. But we basically said, if you can get this down in the next couple of weeks, <laughs> we think we're going to go, you know, we're going to try a different system. And, and we basically switched to what's called a six, two system. So we went from a five, one to yep. a six, two, just so we could get this girl on the court, this young mm. woman. And then we had another a setter that was also really, really developing at the time too. So it, we changed our system because of the players, because of what they were telling us. You know, we had these two players that were basically showing us they needed to be out there. So then it was our job to figure out how to do that. Um, and then luckily when we did do it, it looked pretty good pretty quickly. So, um, I, you know, I always tell the players, like, if you're good, if you're, if you're good, if you need to be out there, you're going to be out there. Yeah. Like, we're going to find a way to get you out there some way, somehow. It's never, you know, I'd, it's very rare you would have a great player sitting on the bench because she just wasn't quite good enough as the player ahead of her. You're going to find a way to get those people on the court. And, you know, we had to, some years we've had to kind of be creative and come up with a system to make room for them. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to, to rank these in order from, from your strongest to your least strongest. Recruiting, team building, slash culture building. And then the third area would be like the strategy of everything, the, mm. the technical and tactical side. Rank those in order from what you like and, and are strongest into to least strong. Um, I'd probably say strategy 
then team building culture, then uh, recruiting. Okay. Yeah. That's curious because when, when, you know, you said you had like 20 plus, you love this, mm-hmm. the, the, the systems and figuring that I do. out. I figured that's probably what was at your, at your top. Yep. I was curious. Yep. Love that. I do. I, you know, I like, I was a math major, so I go back to that, but yep. <laughs> I love numbers. I, I love statistics to a certain point. I just love the, that part of the game, you know, how, how one thing, one's change, one tweak could make a significant difference. I think it's, really fascinating. Um, so, and I think I'm, I'm always, um, I am always obsessed with like, is there something better? Is there something better I should be doing? Is there something else we could do that will make us a little bit better? I'm always, (laughs) every time I look at the team, I'm thinking, okay, is this the best combination we should have out there? Or, or, you know, we're not doing our job unless we make sure we, you know, figure that out. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Um, I want to ask just quickly, how do you navigate marriage, parenting, and a kind of, I mean, for lack of a better term, kind of an all-consuming profession? Yeah. How do you navigate that? Yep. It's really, really hard. And, uh, you know, the marriage part for me has been pretty easy. My husband works here, so, you know, he's, he's on staff. So we have this, like, shared passion. Um, outside of our family. You know, we love volleyball and we Mm -hmm. love every, you know, all just about everything about it and college coaching. So it's like we have, um, we have so much in common and we could talk about it for hours. So for me, and this is just, it's different of course for everybody, but for me, the marriage part is very easy and it, it's, you know, we, we don't fight. We, you know, we pretty much agree both you know, for the most part on the family side, but also on the work side, because when you work with a spouse and I have to make some decisions, you know, if he doesn't agree with it, <laughs> that's tough. Cause then we yeah. go home and then we have to deal with it too. So, but we're lucky that we kind of have pretty similar takes on things. So the marriage part for me has probably been the easiest. Um, when we, when we had kids, when they were little, it was, oh, I didn't know if I'd make it through, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were a couple of years I thought, um, this is it. Like, I, I don't think I can do this anymore because of the, the, the time demands and the travel demands of a, of my job are mm-hmm. insane. And I just didn't, I just thought, how can I keep doing this? This doesn't seem sustainable. Then they got a little older and it got a little easier. And mm-hmm. now it feels quite a bit easier. Um, at least for now, now they're probably going to, you know, they're at that age where they're going to start getting into games and sports and activities, and then they're probably going to get harder again. Um, I've had terrible guilt. Um, I've, you know, anguished over the time I've spent away from them. Mm. Um, having to miss certain things, um, having to excuse myself for recruit calls or for phone calls or emergencies, you know, stepping away from time I'm with them. Um, you name it. I've probably (laughs) experienced that as a, as a parent, just with a, with a job that takes a lot. Sure. Um, but we, you know, we've muddled through and we've made it work. And, um, my kids are also, they get a lot out of this, you know, they're proud. They're really proud to be a part of the program and of their parents. They've gotten to travel with us and take some, just have some amazing experiences that they wouldn't have. And they know that like they're, they're, they get really excited to talk, you know, talk and experience about those things. So, um, I am not like I've, 
like a, a lot of people say, you know, that balance, that work-life balance. And, you know, I, I heard another coach say there really is no balance. It's just what you're comfortable with and what your family's comfortable with. And I do mm-hmm. think that's true. Um, I do think I'm a person that really does like to spend time with my family. And in fact, I can tell I start getting a little cranky and I can just feel it when I feel like when I haven't been around my kids much around my family, I just, I can't describe it. I just, I feel that I feel it inside. And so I'm like, yep, I'm done today. I'm going home (laughs) or I'm taking this day off. Cause I, um, I enjoy that. You know, some people maybe don't need all that time, but I really like hanging, hanging out with them and, and just being at home. So, um, my balance is probably, I try to probably spend more with my family and at home as much as I can. Sure. I, I've started saying no a lot more in the last um, few years because I I just <laughs> I don't want to do all of that other stuff sometimes. I really want to be home with them. Totally. Yeah, I heard one guy uh, use the language of rhythms that the balance is really hard. And if mm-hmm. you do look at it as a scales, you're probably going to be guilty and beat yourself up a lot just because of the time. So he taught, and I thought this was helpful, like having rhythms, knowing there's a rhythm where it's just going to be really, really hard for me in this couple months to make mm-hmm. some things. But outside of that, then I do free up and I can, you know, the rhythms change. And so yes. anyways, I thought that was a really good way because I know that for uh, men and women, the guilt can be really heavy. And if you do look at it as just a flat time on scales and balance, you're, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not even close most of the year, you know, or right. a lot of the year. So anyway, right. yep. Yeah. Totally agree. Yep. And I think kids have rhythms too. Sure. Like there's times when I'm like, they just need, <laughs> they need a little TLC right now. And yeah. I don't know why, but you just sense that like, I better make sure I really spend at, you know, have conversations, try to try to go grab something, you know, grab a meal or something with them, just spend a little extra time. Yeah. For whatever reason they have those same rhythms as we do no i think no doubt um remind me does ames just have the one high school correct yep yeah that's what i thought yep okay i end with three questions the first question is what are you currently reading or listening to that's kind of keeping you sharp helping you grow um well this is going to sound really corny but i have a I love my vegetable garden. I have a huge, huge garden in my backyard. Okay. Um, so I'm always reading about vegetables, for lack love of a it. better word. So that uh, it's my stress relief. I love going back there, and uh, it's very meditative for me, really. Like, I just love the peace and the time back there. So I'm always reading stupid little gardening <laughs> vegetable books, kind of a garden nerd. Um, Right now, I just started a book called There I Am, and it's just, uh, I just happened upon it, but it's a woman that uh, had a, it's a biography, memoir. She had a um, accident, a car accident where she had a major spinal injury and, you know, the the pain and the painkillers that came into her life and the depression and addiction um, that, uh, that's on my Kindle right now. Um, yeah. that I'm reading now. I really like, I love memoirs. I love biographies. I love stories of redemption. I love stories of like survival and um, 
Do you have a go? Do you have a favorite book in in that genre that comes to mind? Um, my favorite book is maybe not so much about that, but it's Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. Frankl. Yep. Um, yeah, that's my number one book. Um, we I actually had the team read it uh, this during the pandemic, and I've read it with my teams before. Um, I think that's such an amazing book. Um, uh, no, any book that's like about, uh, drug addiction and, <laughs> or, you know, uh, just been through hard times and then they've found a way out of it. I, j- I just, those resonate with me for some reason. Um, hmm. so if I see that, if I see something like that come across, I usually, uh, try to read it. Yeah. Cool. For, for those that, listeners that are readers, I'll link this in the show notes. Um, I'm kind of a, I, I love books. I love reading. So that's, that's why I added this, mm. this question. I mm-hmm. can honestly say this would, this would be the first time I ever linked a garden book in the show notes. So. <laughs> please don't link. Please, <laughs> no one will read it anyway. So. <laughs> no, don't bother. That's funny. <laughs> and the second question, what advice would you give a, um, a young female just starting out in the coaching profession? Uh, I would say, you know, if confidence, have confidence, you know, I think we, we struggle with, um, thinking that we could do it or that we have the right to do it. So Mm. you got to keep building up your confidence and having that support group that can help you do that. Um, and I think networking, I know that's such a catchphrase, but, um, I don't know how good we are sometimes women that, you know, I don't know how good women are doing at doing that sometimes, but you have to introduce yourself and go work camps or go up to other coaches or join committees or whatever you can do to, um, get to know, um, get to know other coaches and, um, people that can help you get jobs and (laughs) help you move up the ladder. Um, I think that's, that's really important. Okay. And the last question, I always end with this one. Um, who would you love to hear on this podcast? Talk about leadership and coaching and, um, culture and, um, staff development. Yeah. Who would you love to hear? Mm. Um, well, if you haven't spoken to Terry Pettit, I think he's, I've got him. Okay. You got him. He's got, has he already done it or you're, he's on the list? No, he's already done one. Oh, okay. When was that? I need to go back and listen. It was quite a it was it was quite a while ago. I actually um, I coached baseball at Creighton, so I had Bruce Rasmussen on one of my first podcasts, and he recommended. You know, Terry Pettit had done some work with Creighton Athletics, so that's that yeah. was the connection to Terry Pettit. So it's been a while back. Okay, very cool. Okay, oh gosh, um, I really am a big fan of Beth Lanier from Utah. Okay. Um, I mean, she, I think she's one of the best coaches in the country and her teams are really good right now. And she's been a great, I've just looked up to her for a long time. So she's fantastic. You know, Hugh at Minnesota is brilliant. Uh, Hugh McCutcheon is, he was a national team coach. Um, and then took over Minnesota at the end of the final four. I mean, he's, he's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Kelly Sheffield at Wisconsin's really entertaining. <laughs> He's always going to give you some stories and some funny, funny things. 
Well, Christy, thanks so much. This has been great. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, I've enjoyed it. You've, you've got some great wisdom and insight. And um, yeah, Larry spoke highly about you. And so, yeah, really good to get to know you and visit with you. Yeah, you too. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate you having me. And it's, it is literally fun to just do something else besides this, the heaviness of <laughs> COVID. <laughs> totally, totally. And I don't think we really went into it. We really didn't. We, I mentioned it, but we didn't dive into it. So that's kind of nice. I think it was perfect. I think we put a little marker in this one, remembering that, okay, that yes. was, that was recorded during the craziest. Exactly. Time. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Thanks so much for listening. I'm assuming if you made it this far that you enjoyed the conversation, would you please leave a review and pass this podcast along to anyone else that you think might enjoy it? If you have any suggestions for the show, I'm always looking to to grow and to improve the show. Email me at Travis at KingdomCoachingTW.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, have a good one.